Murder on the agenda. fellowship of the Holy Ghost, dwell richly in our hearts, and be with those who mourn this day, now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Oh, hello, Sergeant. Ah, Mr. Dukes, I saw you from the car. It was good of you to come. Not at all. It would have been most odd for me to have stayed away. Uh, You remember Gwyn Harris, of course? John Griffiths, Albert Thomas, Bernard Howells. Of course, I'm so pleased you were able to get here. Well, as Richard said, Sergeant, it would be odd if any of us stayed away. Oh, yes, good friends. I'm sure George would have been pleased. Let's say he is pleased, Father. Yes, uh, yes, I mean that. We are pleased, too. I knew that Mr. Dukes would be coming, of course, and I rather hoped that the rest of you... Well, thank you. It's not easy to find anything to say, Ann. I know that. Nor do we know how we feel exactly. I, I suppose it's a blessing in a way. You will come back to the house? Uh, not now, Anne. They're all coming back to my flat. We thought to uh, chat about old times. Yes. We don't meet as often as we should. Uh, we'll call in tomorrow, maybe. You'll be welcome at any time. Yes, you'll be very welcome. Thank you again for coming. Ah, Sergeant Price. What a beautiful service. Very fitting, if I may say so. Bitter blow, Sergeant. A bitter blow, and yet... Remembering over the boy suffered all those years. They'll be all right now, boys. We can go. Well, I must say, the old gent's taking it very well. And Anne's been a real brick. There must be a relief for both of them. And yet, a time like this. Is that you, Mr. Dukes? Yes, Matty, I'm back. How many are you? Five. Oh, I reckon I'm fine. Well, come in, all of you, and get yourselves warm. Thank you, sir. I've got plenty of sandwiches, and the kettle is on the boil. How are you, Mrs. Roy? Oh, it was very good of you all to come. Now, you make yourselves at home while I get the tea. I closed this because of the draft. Well, drink, anyone? Oh, I think I could manage a whiskey. Beer for me. Well, help yourselves. Time for a cup of tea. Same here. Oh, well, it was a nice service. More people there than I expected. Yes, quite a crowd. You'd think that people would have forgotten poor old George. Stuck away for five years. Anne took it very well, I thought. Oh, she's a sensible girl. She knows that George is much better off. They all are. Good Lord, yes. Still, George was her husband, and it's bound to be a bit of a shock. Twice a week, down that confounded asylum for five years. In all that time, he hardly spoke to her. Must have been heartbreaking. I don't know how she stuck it. I used to go down now and again. You know, I felt I had to, but it seemed so pointless... He never said a word. I never felt I was doing any good. Well, Anne never had any doubts about that. About doing him good, I mean. She always knew that George was glad to see her, even though he might not speak at all. Hmm. It must have been pretty frustrating for all that. 
Well, sometimes he would talk, and then he'd seem almost normal. He'd yap away about the winding path to Tredorman, or the fishing in the Gladier. You were a pretty frequent visitor yourself, John. Uh, more so than the rest of us. Oh, yes, yes, I went whenever I could. I found it so devilishly difficult, and I always got so depressed. Just seeing the poor old chap sitting there like a mummy, wide-eyed and taut. I dare say visiting was a bit easier for John. I mean, uh... Yes, maybe it was. I like being with Anne. Is that what you mean? Oh, come now, old boy. No, why shouldn't you? I've never denied that I like being with Anne. I hope she liked being with me, too. Whether she's as fond of me as I am of her is another matter. I'd never ask her. Well, I'm quite sure, John, that you've been a real friend to Anne. Well, I think she needed a friend. Believe me, boys, Anne's devotion to a man, dead in every sense of the word, was as splendid as it was pathetic. Now, well, I hope to make up to Anne for some of the years she's lost. If she'll have me, I'll marry her. Perhaps this is hardly the time to talk about it, but you might as well know where I stand. Uh, well, yes, as you say, John, this may not be the time to talk about such things, but nobody ever surprised at what you say. And I hope things will work out for you. I wonder if he ever said anything about the camp. Well, not in my hearing. I don't suppose he remembered anything at all about it. Oh, on the contrary, I doubt if he ever forgot it. I don't pretend to know much about these mental cases, but most of them seem happy enough. But with George, no. Unsmiling, silent, haunted. I have a horrible conviction that he lived down in that camp, that he never got away from it. Mm. Not a very pleasant thought. Well, we never understand these things, and maybe we are often influenced by what we think ourselves. But whenever I visited George, the whole thing had come back to me. The careful plans, the last-minute check-up, crawl through the tunnel, and the reception party waiting for him. And Bill Brockington's face as the Jerry's masters back in. And George's screams as they tortured him. Here we are, then. I'm sure you can all do with it. Was it a nice funeral? There were quite a number of people there, Matty. How did Anne and Mother take it? Very sensibly. Well, they've been faithful enough, and nobody can say different. Not that it isn't a blessed relief to both of them, and to poor George. Yes, indeed. You might say that the poor chap has taken five years to die. Yes, Mrs. Morris. And that's about the truth of it. Well, come on, help yourselves, boys. Come on, pitch in. You must be feeling it a bit too, all five of you. Well, we're all glad to know that George is out of his misery, Matty. Oh, so am I. But all that, there's something so final about a funeral, and one can't help feeling sorry for old Maddock and for Anne. You've done your share of comforting, Matty. Oh, I've just given a hand with the food and things, that's all. And that's where I'm going now, down to the Price's house to clear up things for them. Look, after you finish, just put these dishes in the kitchen, will you? And I'll do them in the morning. Well, uh, I'll say good evening to you all, then. Well, good, good evening, Thank you. Good night, Matty. Well, she's one out of the bag, isn't she? You're lucky to have her, Richard. Oh, a bachelor is entitled to some compensation. <laughs> well, I'm a bachelor, and I'm not so lucky with my housekeeper. Matty isn't exactly my housekeeper, you know. She has her own family to look after. She suits you, I should say. Oh, yes, yes. I like to have the place to myself in the evenings. By the way, Richard, isn't that play of yours due on this week? Yes, Thursday at 8.30. Oh. It's all about our experiences in prison camp, isn't it? Well, it's a play about prison camp, yes, but I try to deal with the lighter side, the fun and the frolic. You must have a vivid imagination, Richard. Hmm? What's that, Bernard? Hey, come out of that corner. You're too near my whiskey bottle. Oh, I want beer. Now then, what were you saying? I said you must have a vivid imagination. I don't remember any fun and frolic... Well, there was the football team, Bernie, old boy. And the cricket. <laughs> yeah. Not forgetting the thespians. 
I'll never forget the night Richard split his pants. What about John in Pygmalion? <laughs> oh, you, Albert, playing the tarty piece in uh, what I'm going to play. When do we cut the cackle boys and start talking? Well, there are things to be discussed, aren't there? I take it you all know what I mean. Or do you or don't you? We all know what you mean, Barney. The point is, do we want a discussion? You don't, is that it? Oh, I didn't say that. Richard? Well, I suppose we can have a discussion, Bernie. Whether or not we shall all be thinking on the same lines is another matter. Mm. Brockington wasn't at the funeral, was he? I shouldn't think so. Had there been flowers, he would have sent a big wreath in one of his limousines. Mm. Well, come on, Richard, you're the captain. Let's get talking, shall we? All right, boys, all right. I'll try to put something into words. Now, in this play of mine on Thursday night, I tried to paint a picture of the lighter side of our life in prison camp. And to write this, I had to dig pretty deeply. The hell I remember vividly. And there's no doubt in our minds as to what was the most hellish part of all. Five years is a long time to remember a man's screams in the night. But I hear them over and over again. Why only George? That's what's always puzzled me. If they got us together for torture, we'd have given each other moral support. Besides, George was the leader. I remember one night in particular. They must have given him a rest during the day, and then, just after lights out... They started. Oh, what the hell. Oh, don't let's rake it all up. Get to the point, Richard. Well, it was obvious to us all that Bill Brockington had spit on us. If we needed any proof, then the look on his face when the jellies marched us back into the camp would have given it us. He told the guards all he knew. But he didn't know enough. George had all the escape plan locked in his mind, so they tortured him until he cracked up. And the five of us swore, didn't we, that if George died... Bill Brockington would die, too. If we'd killed him there and then, it would have been easy. And it's not so easy now, eh? Well, is it? Lots of water has gone under the bridge. Time mellows. Well, not for me, it doesn't. I hate the swine today as much as I did then. We all hate him, Bernie. But what do you propose we should do? Go out and shoot him. Might be as good an idea as any. There's a price to pay for that sort of thing. Bigger than the price George paid? Well, maybe not. Oh, now, look, boys, don't let's fall out with each other. Let's discuss the whole thing calmly, if we can. I suppose we can be called respectable citizens. And some of you have families. Cold-blooded killing seems rather remote from us all. Do we feel as strongly now as we did five years ago? And if we do, can we implement those feelings? Are we going to say now that we want to kill this man? And if we say yes, Richard, what then? Somebody has to do the job. Somebody has to go along to Brockington's house, take out a gun and shoot him. Or a knife and stab him. Those are the cold facts. And if we say no, Richard, what then? If we say that all this was a long time ago, the war's over and forgotten, George Price has taken five years to die, but he rests in peace at last. We go home tonight and put our heads on a pillow and thank God for our homes, our comforts, prosperity, or what have you. And do we forget about the torture, about our oath, about the swine we swore to kill, and just drop off to sleep? Not tonight we won't. Not for many nights to come. If you heard his screaming in the night, you won't hear it any less just because George is under the sod. Anyone else? There's a lot in what Bernie says. Well, if none of you chaps feel as we I We haven't all had our say, Bernie. So I notice. Nobody here has any love for Brockington, Bernie. But snake that he is, the law is bound to catch up with him. Would you be prepared to take a rap? Is he worth hanging for? That's not the point. Or perhaps we wouldn't be found out. 
Perhaps Bernie thinks we could cook up an ingenious scheme. It wouldn't be the first game we've cooked, would it? What do you say, Richard? Oh, what can I say? I'm a writer. But I couldn't think up a more ludicrous situation than this. Five staid, respectable men discussing whether or not they'll take another man's life. Murder on the agenda. All in favor say aye. Have another drink and good night. On the other hand, we took an oath. Maybe the oath as such is not all that important. But we have to meet up with Brockington. He lives in this village. And then there's Anne. I see her every day and you all see her fairly often. And George's father, the old sergeant. We meet him too. I don't suppose we shall ever be able to wipe out the memory of that suffering. Nor shall we ever forget what we swore to do. That's what I mean. It's not going to be easy, but what's the alternative? I should be haunted. Oh, don't let's get melodramatic. I'm saying what I think, Quinn. You may be afraid to kill this man. I should be afraid to let him live. Of course, there may be consequences. But anyone scared of them shouldn't be involved. Sit down, Bernie. Be cool. Albert. No one could hate the louse more than I do. But can we just take the law into our own hands? Somebody would actually have to do this. One of us. What do we do? Draw lots? Yes. What did you say, Richard? I said we would draw lots. You can't be serious. I'm serious in this respect. If we're contemplating doing this thing at all, then the whole venture would have to be planned. You've got some ideas, Richard? <laughs> well, let me put it like this. A decision will have to be made. Even if we dismiss the whole thing, we still have to agree to dismiss it. But if we decide the oath has to stand, I suggest a plan. All right, let's hear it. Oh, wait a bit. We haven't decided anything yet. Well, let's hear the plan anyway. Sure, let's hear it. It should be interesting to know how to commit the perfect crime, even if we have no intention of committing it. The obvious alternative to murder is suicide. If Bill Brockington decides to shoot himself, I can at least provide the gun. That's a Luger. Well, we're not very impressed so far, Richard. The Luger is commonplace enough. But this one belongs to Bill Brockington. His initials are on the butt. And since Brockington will have marked other souvenirs in the same way, there won't be much doubt about the ownership. If uh, you remember, boys, that was a hobby of his carving initials. He did it rather expertly. You mean that one of us shall shoot Brockington with his own gun? That's part of the plan. Uh, how did you get hold of the gun, Richard? Accidentally. We all had our share of war souvenirs, and mine got mixed up with Brockington's. Had we been on better terms, I might have handed it over. Before you go any further, Richard, I think there's one thing we should keep in mind. If anything happens to Brockington, somebody's going to remember that we were all in that hellhole together. Of course. Well, it doesn't sound very healthy, does it? Not unless we can arrange a perfect alibi. Or whoever does the killing? No. For the lot of us. This, this drawing lots, is it part of the plan, Richard, that none of us shall know who did the shooting? That's it. Go on from there, Richard. We put five papers in a hat with a cross on one of them. Well, that's straightforward enough. Then this alibi. On Thursday night, my play goes out on television. But what more natural than that we should all meet here to see it? A most suitable occasion for a reunion. The play starts at 8.30, and you'd all leave your homes, allowing enough time to get here by 8.15. I would spend the early part of the evening in the Red Lion, and leave there at about 8.10. Well, that's clear enough. But nobody arrives here at the appointed time, not even me. What we each do will be our own affair, as long as we keep out of sight. Now, we all get here at 9 o'clock or thereabouts, by which time the man with the cross will have shot Rockington and placed the gun in his hand. I see. Then we'd all swear that we arrived here at 8.15. And nobody would know whom we were protecting. 
Not even us. Well, find the snags thus far, boys. They're on us. Not so fast, Bernie. Why do you have to be out of the house, Richard, when you're the host? Two reasons. I have to let people know that I'm expecting you, and I may be the one to draw the cross. Oh, yes, of course. Next. How can we be sure where to find Buckingham? Huh. Well, the chances are a hundred to one that he'll be watching this play, too. Uh, there is the obvious snag, of course. We could be questioned about the play. I have some spare copies. You have three days to study the first 30 minutes of the script. Mm, then some policeman will ask us about a technical hitch. We'll try to talk around it, and then he'll tell us there wasn't one. Oh, I think I can knock out of that side of it. If there is a hitch, then I'll know about it. It's a good idea, boys. Simple but ingenious. We can all be depended upon to protect the man with a gun... And we won't know who it is we are protecting. We arrive half an hour late and swear we came on time. But don't you think, Richard, that an alibi for five people is more of a pill than an alibi for one? Well, if we know who does the job, a clever detective might trap us into giving him away. But if we don't, there must be some snags. Oh, maybe there are, but we have time to look for them. Mind you, I'm, I'm not saying that we should do this thing. All I say is, if we decide to go ahead, then we must look after ourselves. Now then, what about... Thank you. It was kind of you to come. Oh, dear. Mrs. Bevan's a kindly woman, but she does talk. Never mind. That's the last of them. I'll get a nice quiet cup of tea before I go. Oh, no. I don't want any tea. Thank you, Matty. It's not what you want, Matty, but what you're going to get. You've been on your feet all day, Matty. Then I'll be sitting down with you in just two minutes. I've got it all ready. Tired, Matty? It's been a bit of a day. For me, too. I suppose in a few days we'll realize that this is a blessing for us all, but we're bound to feel a bit empty at first. Yes. Yes, I think that's the word. Empty. I marvel that you, Angela. Many girls in your position would be as bitter as gall. Being bitter won't help, will it? Ten years of marriage, two of them your husband spends in a prison camp and five in an asylum. I try to think of the happy three. I'm not one for talking, Anne, but I'm not blind to how good you've been. You've been pretty good yourself, Dad. Here we are, then. Fresh pot of tea and some tasty sandwiches. Huh? I don't think so. Come on. Maddock? Isn't it funny, Maddock? I always call you that when you haven't got your old uniform on. But when you're in your buttons, I call you sergeant, sort of automatic. The inspector always said it was a mistake to leave me in my old village. <laughs> Too familiar, he said, but I managed to keep the peace. Oh, indeed, yes. There, now, come on, eat, both of you. Lucky I could sell this ham away, or those gormans would have polished the lot. No wonder, Matty, you pressed them enough. You know, I sometimes think it's all wrong to turn a funeral into a feast. But on the other hand, I suppose some people come from a long way and they have to eat. After all, there's nothing disrespectful in a nice bit of boiled ham. Now, come on, eat, both of you. It's no use neglecting your stomachs. I know it's hard for both of you, you to lose a husband, Anne, and you, Maddock, to lose a son. But the poor boy is better off, and it's a blessing for all three. Right, now, all set, boys. I'm sorry this has to be so theatrical, but if we're not to know who takes the gun, it has to be done this way. The gun's loaded, of course. Yes, it is. Now, I've put it in the glove box out in the hall, and I've closed the lid. The only man to open the lid will be the man with the cross. Each man will guard into the hall in turn, closing the door behind him. Then the man with the cross will open the glove box quietly, take the gun and go. Okay? Right. Mm -hmm. And then we meet on Thursday as arranged. 
Right. Uh, come on, Bernie. Shake that hat, will you? All right. Right. Gwen, you shall have first pick. Oh. Well, I needn't look at it until I'm in the hall. And then close the front door as you leave. Then we'll know you're gone. Good night. Night. Good night, boys. Albert, I'm uh, glad you were able to come along. Mm. Good night, boys. Your turn, Bernie. Yes. All right. I'll see you Thursday then. You're at 8.15, you said? For the record, yes. Good night. John. Hmm? Uh, about Anne. She thinks a lot of you. Anything I can do to help you at any time? Oh, you've already been a great help to her. Oh, nonsense. She's a good secretary. She's a big help to me. Well, uh, your turn. I've got a horrible feeling that I'm going to pick that cross. Shall I pick before you? No, no, no. I'll take it as it comes. As you say, Richard, this is a bit theatrical. If it's jolly effective. And I'll see you on Thursday. Good night. I think you'll want to make several cuts. Very likely. There's no hurry for this, is there? Oh, no, no, none at all. Oh, I'd like to get home before Dad. Oh, uh, yes, of course. How is he? Splendid. But just for a day or two, I'd like to be there when he gets home. Yes, of course. I, uh, I told you not to come to work at all. I'm not busy. Oh, I'd prefer to work. So would he. You're very devoted to your father, Noam. He's devoted to me. Well, it's not surprising, is it, when we both felt so strongly about George? No. No, perhaps not. Well, don't come into work if you don't feel like it. How did rehearsals go? Oh, the usual jumble. I marvel that it ever sorts itself out. You still think I ought not to see the play? I wouldn't advise it, Anne. Under the circumstances, I don't particularly want to see it myself. It's been put on at the wrong time for us all. Look, nobody could have known that George was going to die. I, I hope it goes all right. Oh, by the way, the vicar phoned. His set has broken down, and he wondered if you might come here to see the play. Well, what... What did you tell him? Well, I, I said I thought you wouldn't mind. Uh, well, quite, quite. But I told him that Bernard Howells would be here, and since those two are not very fond of each other... What did you say? Well, I don't think he'll come. You're, you're not sure? Maybe he'll give you a ring. Well, good night then, Richard. See you tomorrow. Only if you feel like it. And look after Maddock. He looks after me. No exchange? Ah, hello, Manny. Uh, get me three, two, will you, please? The vicarage. Oh, hello, vicar. 
Anne told me that you rang. Oh, yes, yes. My old set has broken down again, dear boy. I really think I should pension it off. <laughs> well, you can come along here with pleasure. We'll be glad to have you join our little party. Mm, yes, Anne mentioned something about a party. Well, hardly a party. Just a few of the chaps who were with me in the prison camp. We, um... We thought we might like to see the play together. Oh, my dear Richard, I wouldn't dare intrude. Oh, come, come, Vicar. I'm sure my friends will conduct themselves most respectfully. Exactly. That's why I ought to stay away. Oh, really, I, I don't no, think... No, 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 no. You have your party, Richard. As a matter of fact, I'm going along to another friend's house, Inspector Enoch Provert. All the way to Newby? It's not far, dear boy, and I owe the inspector a visit. Oh, well, if you're quite sure, then... That... Yes, 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 yes. I'll call in tomorrow evening and let you know what I think of it. Do that. I'll have cleared away the empties. Good. Well, thanks for ringing. I hope it goes well, dear boy. <sighs> For heaven's sake, Jean, turn that thing down. I'm trying to fall. No, I said five nine. That's the Brindmill garage, isn't it? Come on, come on. Of all of that, Tempest sings. Anyone would think I did it deliberately. Have you ever had a puncture? Yes, my dear, I had one last Friday. And like a fool, I left a flat in the boot. But if you had told me when I got home about your puncture, I'd have repaired it. You knew I was going out. I do now. Brindmill garage. Oh, oh, hurry. I've got a flat. Two flats. And I've got to get to Gessie Dowell. Can you run me over? Okay, in 15 minutes. Well, I could repair the puncture in that time. I want to go at once. Okay, I'll, I'll send the boy. Thanks. Such a fuss. The play doesn't start until half past eight. I keep telling you, we've all arranged to meet at quarter past. It'll take me ten minutes to drive in. Why didn't you phone John Griffiths and ask him to pick you up? Well, why should I drag John out here? It isn't much out of his way. Oh, don't nag Jean just because I'm going out for one night. I'm not nagging. Heaven only knows I don't go out very often. And I'm jolly glad you don't. All this fuss. Must be there a quarter past, hiring a car to take you. You'll all have a drink after the play, I dare say. So why should you be in such a tearing hurry to get to Richard Duke's place hours before the thing starts? We've arranged to meet at 8.15. It seems a stupid idea to me, anyhow. Meeting together to watch a play. Why couldn't you see it with me? What is it? work. TV 8.30. Don't forget to watch. What else will I do? Stuck here on my own. Oh, I'll be home soon after 10. And as sober as a judge, cross my heart. TV, don't forget. Good evening, sir. Oh, Mr. Griffiths, is it? Oh, good evening, Josh. Uh, it's um, all right to leave my car there, I suppose. Well, it's the official car park, as you might say. Not that it gets overcrowded, as you can see. <laughs> no. uh, something on in the village all makes a difference, mind you. And I can remember a night back last winter. Uh, what what uh, time is it, Josh? Oh, the church clock is dead right. <laughs> yes, maybe it is, but I can't quite see it in the dark. About ten past, I'd say. Fair play for Ted Coity ever since he took charge of that there clock. Oh, oh thank you, sir. Thank you, indeed. <laughs> I'd keep an eye on the car, sir. Depend on me. Well, I'll be back about ten, I should think. Uh, there's one thing about this car park, maybe. Well, I'm a 
must be going, boys. What's the hurry, Mr. Duke? It's been all good to see your play in the long room. Well, I've got some friends coming in. They're due any minute. Well, bring them along here, then. Well, maybe we'll come in on the play. I hope you enjoy it, boys. Oh, you do. Thank you. Oh, good evening, Sergeant. Oh, good evening, Mr. Dukes. I thought you had a play on the telly tonight. That's right, 8.30. Oh, I always thought that you'd have to be down at the studio place, see and do things. Well, I've been down to the rehearsals, but I prefer to see the show at home. In any case, I've got some friends coming in. Oh, how do I know about that? Anne told you. No, no. Oh, yes. It was P.C. Ben Thomas told me. He bumped into Bernard Howells in the mart and he happened to mention it. Uh, you're having a little get-together. That's right. You feeling all right? Pretty good, considering... I'd rather be on duty, anyhow. Uh, what's the, uh, the time? Just coming up to quarter past, or would you call it down? Ah, there she goes. Well, my visitors will be waiting on the doorstep. Good night, Sergeant. Good night. The crowd's getting well. Are you late, Conductor? No, sir. 8.15 will do you. Oh, thanks. Good night. Good night, sir. You didn't close the door? No. Good. Well, sit down, John. Help yourself to a drink, Bernie. Thanks. Albert, what do you have? Oh, I'll switch on the set. I crossed the allotments and came to the little wicket gate. We don't have to account for our movements, John. I thought that was understood. Well, I simply mentioned that I crossed the allotment. I think it's safe to keep off that track altogether. We've all been here since 20 past eight. Now, let's get that fixed off firmly in our mind. We believe it ourselves. All right, Bernie, all right. Don't be so damned edgy. Where the devil's Gwyn? Well, it's 
Only just on mine. Ah, this is him. All right, Gwen? Yes, I'll close the door. Is that all right? Yes, you're the last. I couldn't get across the road. Two chaps on bikes stood nattering. They didn't see you? No, no, I made sure of that. What about the set? It's warming up. But apart from where you've been and what you've been doing, has anyone anything to say? Nothing? Good. Now, you're all quite sure that you haven't been seen during the last half hour. I'm sure. I made quite certain. Well, I was dropped outside this door at 8.15 exactly, and I'm quite sure that nobody's seen me since. Nobody saw me. Fine. I had one little upset. The vicar's got trouble with his set, and he phoned to ask if he could come here. Good Lord. Well, how did you put him off? But you couldn't put him off. Damn it, I don't muck up the whole thing. Don't worry. I pressed him to come. When I explained that we had a little party, he excused himself. Oh, the things are crap. But it serves to suit us as it happens. The fact that you pressed the vicar to come, Richard, is a further proof that we were meeting to see the play. Yes, yes, that's true. Oh, by the way, we'd uh, better watch the play, haven't we? I'm going to shift a really car or replay the clock. I'm many clubs, you think I can bite? I'm right out of the Vicar's level in any hour, and I don't think any more pop-up mansions are coming and she's destroyed. <laughs> How long should we wait here, Richard? The play's been over for half an hour now. Well, I think we should wait another half hour or so and then leave rather noisily. I hope you saw enough of the play to know what it's all about. Well, I'm afraid I'd be a bit shaky if I were questioned about it. I wasn't concentrating. Then you should say as little as possible. Well, who remembers the play in detail, anyhow? Well, I've read it, so I know it fairly well. What about technical hitches, Richard? I don't think there could have been any. It finished on time, didn't it? Uh, may I put a point, Richard? Yes, by all means. Now's the time for a checkup. Well, I don't think we can depend on this suicide angle. We've done what we can to make it look like suicide, but at least I assume we have, but the police have means nowadays of finding out about such things. We knew from the start that there was a pretty good chance of us coming under suspicion. And our scheme is foolproof. Well, I'm only anxious that we should take every precaution. Well, we've done that. <laughs> Don't let's hold an inquest. <laughs> What's tickling you, Bernie? <laughs> well, it's an odd situation, isn't it? We've, we've all been involved in killing a man and... Only one of us knows if he's dead. Uh, hmm. Well, let's drink to success, boys. Yeah. A toast, gentlemen. A toast to the police. May they have calm, untroubled minds. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh. Excuse me. Jesse Darrell, double two. Oh, hello, Richard. You've um, you've not heard the news. What news, Vicar? About poor Bill Brockington. He's he's committed suicide. Committed suicide? Good heavens, when did this happen? Sometime this evening. I was having supper with Inspector Enoch Probert, and he was called out. Have you seen the inspector since? No, no, I, I stayed here to finish my coffee, and he phoned me later. Well, uh, what are the details? Well, it seems that Brockington was watching your play. The set was still on when the inspector got to his house. He'd... He'd shot himself through the head. Good heavens. Yes, well, I'm just about to go home now, but uh, I thought I'd let you know. Yes. Yes, thanks. It was kind of you. It's a bit of a shock, isn't it? Uh, indeed it is. Well, um, good night then, Richard. Thank you for ringing, Vicar. Good night. Through the head. He shot himself through the head. Well, let's hope it stays that way. If not... 
Let's hope the plan is as good as we think it is. Yeah, no, sir. Good, good. We'll take the gun to the lab, of course. Of course. Uh, we'll go then, sir. I'll stay for a while to those around. Uh, you stay with me, Sergeant. Stay, sir? I mean Sergeant Maddock Price. He knows more about this village and the people than any man alive. That's right, isn't it, Sergeant? You know the village pretty well yourself, Inspector. See you later, sir. Yes, yes. I'll be down at the local station. Well, Maddock, a bit of an upset, isn't it? It is indeed, sir. Hmm. Nice room. I wouldn't have thought that Mr. Brockington had such taste. Have you ever been here before, Maddock? Not in this room, sir. This is a nice bit of illegal war souvenir, isn't it? German, I suppose, sir. Nice bit of engraving on the case, too. W.B. Brockington seemed to have been very clever at this sort of thing. Yes, it's very nicely done. Gave him something to do when he was in that prison camp, I suppose. Surprising what those chaps turned their hands to, sir. Rockington turned his hand to other things, so I'm told. So I understand, sir. I mean, well, I don't suppose it's any secret that Brockington wasn't a very popular man. You, a son, for one, wouldn't have been very fond of him. George never mentioned him, Inspector, but he never mentioned anyone else, either. I was very sorry to hear about George, Maddock. You were always very kind to inquire about him, sir. I don't suppose it was odd that he should be looking at the play. Mr. Brockington, I mean. I'd say it was a natural thing for him to do. Knowing Mr. Dukes and knowing something of the true story behind the play? I don't think Mr. Dukes was a friend of his, Inspector. No, no, maybe not. Say, what do you think about this, Maddock? Me, sir? You knew Brockington? You knew him too, sir. I'm asking you. Well, Inspector, it looks as if he's committed suicide, as far as I can see, anyway. But I wouldn't have said he was the type to kill himself. It's always a bit of a bother, Sergeant, when the facts quarrel with convictions. Of course, the lab boys may tell us that this wasn't suicide at all. And that wouldn't surprise you, sir? It wouldn't surprise you, either. Tell me, did you see the play last night, Mother? No, sir. It wasn't the kind of thing I'd want to see just now. Mm, of course not. I understand. Well, uh, I don't think there's anything else I want to see here. We'll keep the room closed, Sergeant. Yes, sir. I'll put a constable on duty, sir. Good man. I must say that the village looks as clean and as fresh as it always did. It was always surprising to me that so many of the poor. Well, if it's all the same to you two, I'm off. My old man will think that I've left him. <laughs> and that would be what you'd call wishful thinking. It's your own fault that you're late, Matty. Oh, maybe it is. I wanted to finish the bedroom, then I can have a day off on Saturday. You're just coming on that? Oh, you go along, Matty. Don't worry. Oh, open this tree now. <coughs> well, wherever it is, I'm not staying. I never thought to be as late as it. Do you wear Inspector Enoch Crawford? Hello, Mrs. Morris. Is Mr. Dukes in? Well, did you want to see him? And that's why I called. Oh, you better come in. Oh, hello, Inspector. Come in, come right in. Uh, thank you. Uh, you know him, of course, Mrs. Price. Yes, yes. How do you do, Inspector? I was very sorry to hear about your husband, Mr. Price. Thank you. You knew George, of course. Oh, yes. I spent several years in Gaffey Dowell when I was a constable. One remembers the happy times. 
Don't, uh, don't leave on my account. Oh, I was just going, anyway. Uh, is it all right for me to go, Mr. Dukes? I think so, Matty. I doubt if the inspector has come to arrest me. <laughs> I'll get your coat on. Oh, if you will, Matty. I just want to stick some of these stamps on. My gloves are in the glove box. Right, so. Uh, sit down, Inspector. Thank you, thank you. This, uh, this business of Brockington is upsetting, isn't it? For whom, Inspector? Well, in such a quiet village. I don't think there are many villagers shedding tears over Brockington, Inspector. So why should we pretend that the affair is upsetting? Speaking for myself, I shan't spare him a sigh. Well, that's frank enough. And what about you, Mrs. Price? You probably know my story, Inspector. I'm glad that Mr. Brockington is dead. Oh, well, it's nice to know where we all stand. Well, I'm taking the post, Richard. Good evening, both. Now, good evening. Good night, Anne. You'd better put this on, I think, Matthew. It gets quite chilly at this time of the day, and I don't... Well, it's... Nice to see you, Inspector, but um, to what am I indebted, etc., etc., etc. Can't I just be sociable? I suppose you could if you tried. Well, for, for one thing, I wanted to tell you that I enjoyed your play. Good. I always counted you one of my fans. Yes, yes, it was good. It seemed so real. Not that I was ever in a prison camp myself, but, but one could believe in it. It had a ring of authenticity. The author has always to color the truth a little for dramatic effect. But only delicately colored it, I should say. That slight, almost imperceptible exaggeration. <laughs> you should have been a writer yourself. <laughs> I nurse a secret ambition. One of these days, I'll break out and use my creative genius on one of my dullest reports. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, now then, tell me why you've come. I'm inquiring into the death of Mr. Bill Brockington. Obviously. But why inquire here? My dear Richard, we inquire everywhere. We travel along unlikely and uninteresting tracks. Sometimes we stumble on something which leads to something else, but in the main we just retrace our steps unrewarded. Pretty dull. Dull and frustrating. Lots and lots of routine, fingerprints, photographs, interviews, examination reports, and putting two and two together to make three and a half. But science is your ally nowadays. Science gives us this three and a half, but it's the missing half that counts. And, as often as not, that's the something we just stumble upon. And what are you hoping to stumble upon here? We're looking for one or two things. Such as? A reason for Brockington to have committed suicide. Can you help me there? No. No, I wouldn't have thought him that kind of a man. What next? If he didn't shoot himself, then we would like to know who did. You're asking me? For any information which might help. I haven't any. I might have considered doing the job myself five years ago. Why? Oh, well, come now, Inspector. You know the prison camp story. That's why you called here. But hate, like love, mellows with the years. I'm not sorry for what's happened to Brockington, but I wouldn't have taken any risks for him. So don't look for a dramatic confession from me. Do you, do you think he might have been murdered? I'm assuming that you think so. Life gets increasingly difficult for a policeman, Richard. The more we learn about crime, the more the criminals learn. A young scallywag who wants to steal a bicycle nowadays will wear a pair of gloves. What's the use of our elaborate equipment for testing for fingerprints if the crooks leave none behind? Yes. Yes, I should think that even the most modest crook is pretty wary about fingerprints nowadays. In this case, there are no prints. Tell me, Inspector... What leads you to conclude that this was not a case of suicide? Did I say it wasn't? You imply it. Well, what bothers us is the absence of reason. I have a feeling that Brockington was murdered. And then, as I said, the, the fingerprint. You said there were none. That's what I mean. <laughs> I, um, 
I don't follow. Oh, come, Richard, that's obvious enough. The complete absence of fingerprints would suggest a careful intruder. But why an intruder at all? And there were no prints on the gun. None? Now, let me qualify that. Uh, there were just a few. Brockington's forefinger shows on the barrel, and his palm is clearly seen on the butt. So the gun was in Brockington's hand? Yes. Well, aren't you satisfied with that? But he would have had to pick up the gun from a drawer, handle it quite a bit before pulling the trigger. You could hardly expect him to have put on a glove for all these preliminaries, and taking off the glove to make a kill. Yes, I see. Have you identified the gun? A German Luger. Commonplace enough. So it could have been Brockington's own gun? Of course. So someone walks into Brockington's lounge, goes to a drawer, takes out a gun with Brockington's initials on the butt, sticks it close to the victim's head and shoots. <laughs> what is Brockington doing meanwhile? Looking at my play, I presume? Who, who said anything about the initials on the gun? Didn't you? No, I don't think so. Oh, oh well, uh, Brockington carved initials on everything. Ah, yes. Yes, yes, uh, that's a good point. You probably noticed a lot of his carving around. I did indeed, W.B., very artistically done. Well, uh, I must go. Oh, you're not going already? I, I haven't given you a drink. I can only be sociable when I try to be, and just now I haven't the time to try. I have other calls to make. I hope the others will prove more fruitful. You've, uh, you've never written a detective play, Richard? No. You should. Then I could help you. Not if you think your work is dull. Ah, but we will concentrate on the more interesting features. Those elusive fractions, remember? Two and two make three and a half, and it's the other half that counts. Think, uh, think of our little chat. Dull for the most part, but a significant fact emerges. A fact? One lonely little detail. And, uh, what was that? Aha, the best detective keeps his secret and throws his proof into the murderer's face in the last act. <laughs> you seem convinced that Brockington was murdered. I didn't say so. Well, fortunately, I can account for my movements. Um, I was at home last night watching my play. And you had company, I'm told. You were told? Uh, the vicar sensed that you would be unwelcome here. Oh, oh, yes, Bernard Howells was here. They don't see eye to eye. Who did you have altogether? Well, since the play was based on our experiences in the prison camp... I thought it would be rather nice if the chaps who were together uh, there... So that would be Bernard, uh, Gwyn Harris, Albert Thomas, who else? John Griffiths. Just the five of us. And uh, George Price would have made the six. Ah, oh, well. Good evening, Richard. I'll be seeing you. Good evening, Inspector. Wait, I'll turn this off. I've uh, brought back the plane. The, the plane? You asked me about it last night. Oh. Oh, yes, of course. But there's no hurry, old boy. I'm just getting some cheese. Uh, but, Jean, I'm not staying. I won't be a minute. What's all this about a plane? Just an excuse for coming here. But why an excuse at all? Because it looks as if the suicide idea has gone down the drain already. So what? A clear case of suicide would have saved us a lot of worry. Anyhow, Enoch Robert has already been to see Richard. Hmm. He didn't waste much time. No. Richard asked me to warn the rest of you to behave as naturally as possible. It's not very natural for you to bring back my perishing plane for a start. You never return anything. Well, I had to give Gwen some reason for my coming here. So I said you wanted a plane. You mentioned it last night at the party. That's what I told her. All right, all right. Forget about the plane. 
What did Richard tell you? He thinks that the inspector will call on the rest of us. We are all to admit that we hated Buckingham's guts. But Albert, old boy, all of this has been arranged. I haven't forgotten. I'm doing what I'm told to do. Richard asked me to warn you. Okay, keep your wool on. Don't be so edgy. No. No, that's the kind of thing we have to watch. Okay, you watch it. I'm feeling fine. I never had any enthusiasm for this plan of ours, but now that Brockington is dead, I feel a deep personal satisfaction. Mm -hmm. I suppose I'm the edgy type. I don't think you deserve any tea, Albert, being with you call here about once in a blue moon. I should come oftener, I know. One would think that you boys, having gone through so much together, would have some sort of a bond. Well, maybe we saw too much of each other in Germany. No, friendship wears a bit thin behind the wire fence. <laughs> this is my at-home day. Pour out, Gwyn. This could be the inspector now. Well, all right, Albert, all right. It's perfectly natural for you to call and see me, even without my play. Yes, yes, sir. I suppose it is. Come in, inspector, come in. I don't know why you call, but you're very welcome. Move that thing, Gwyn, the inspector. Oh, my fault. Uh, it's my plane. Uh, Gwyn's plane, rather. <laughs> he nagged me about it last night, and I brought it back. Uh, a bit of a do-it-yourself chap, are you, Albert? Well, I like working about the house. Well, with my tools, mainly. Mm -hmm. Tea, Inspector? Well, now, that's most kind of you, Mrs. Harris. Thank you. I, uh, I dare say you're wondering why I called. Not really, Inspector. You're probably making inquiries about Bill Brockington. And you know that we spent some time together. You want to know what I thought of him? He was a swine. Hmm. Nice cup of tea, Mrs. Harris. I had no great affection for him either, Inspector. Could either of you chaps suggest any reason he might have had for taking his life? Remorse? He saw his sins piling up before him like a mountain, and he couldn't take it. <laughs> Not a very good theory, I'm afraid. What happened, Inspector? All the talk in the village is that he committed suicide. We can't stop people talking. Uh, my job at the moment is to find out as much as I can about Rockingham. And I'm quite sure you already know what we can tell you. He's squealed on us in prison camp. Yes. So I've heard. I wonder you chaps let him get away with it. Oh, the Jerry thought of that. They took him to their bosoms. They never even got a chance to kick his shins. Then, when the war was over... Well, you know how it is, Inspector. Tempers cooled. And we were too busy looking after ourselves. Yes. Yes, I dare say. Well, boys, just for the record. Can you account for your movements last night between, say, 8 and 10 o'clock? <laughs> That's easy. We were all at Richard's flat watching his play. Who do you mean by all? Well, a lot of us. I mean, we were a little gang together in the prison camp, and Richard suggested we should have a little party. And when was this arranged? When we all met at the funeral. At uh, George Price's funeral? Yes. It was after the funeral, actually. We all went along to Richard's flat for a drink. Yes, I see. Uh, then you arranged to meet again to watch the play. That would be about 8 o'clock, huh? 8.15, actually. What, uh, what time did you leave here, Gwen? Well, I had a flat tire, so I phoned for a car. We left here soon after eight. A hired car? I told him he had money to burn. Time is time, Jean. Not with you, it isn't. And you, Albert? I live pretty near the village. I must have left the house soon after eight. Anyhow, I arrived on time. Then you all saw the play, had a drink, and went home. Well, it wasn't much of a drink. The vicar phoned about Rockington. Well, that's all pretty straightforward, isn't it? Sometimes I think I waste an awful lot of time asking pointless questions. But these things have to be done. Oh, well, uh, thanks for the deal, Mrs. Harris. Hmm. Quite a nice-looking play, miss. 
Worth borrowing, eh, Albert? <laughs> Gwen has a splendid kit of tools, and they last forever at the rate he uses them. Albert must have had that plane for six months, and Gwen hasn't missed it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm sorry to have disturbed you. Good night, Inspector. Good night, sir. Good night. Nice of you to call, Inspector. Well, May this be sort of important, if you know what I mean. There you are, Albert. What's wrong with that? Nothing. He was very pleasant. Too pleasant. <laughs> Enoch Probert was always the same. Everybody says he's a nice chap. Mm. I bet he sends Christmas cards to all the chaps he puts in jail. <laughs> well, have some more tea. Dean, are you bringing more water? I think this is a bit strong. Is that you, Father? Yes, it's me. Sorry, I'm late, Mary. I thought you were never coming home. Uh, it's a pity I don't get paid all the time, I reckon. What makes you so late? I had to stay in charge of the place until Ben Thomas relieved me. Oh, dear. A cup of tea first, Anna. It's all waiting, and I've got a nice piece of pie. Lovely. Poor old Ben has been dashing about like a scalded cap between one thing and another. There's a lot to be done, I suppose. It must have been pretty horrible for you. Well... I've never been on a murder case before, and anything new is interesting, even if it isn't pleasant. You think Mr. Brockington was murdered, then? I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't have used that word. Let's say that the inspector isn't satisfied that he committed suicide. Have you got any ideas about who might have done it? If I had, Anwar, I wouldn't be telling you. One thing you can be sure of, Enoch's got his nose into something. He called to see Richard, you know. Did he? You don't seem surprised. I'm not surprised at anything, Anne. But when Detective Inspector Enoch Provat is on the scent... What possible scent could he be on visiting Richard? I don't know. It's all very worrying. Well, if somebody killed Brockington, I can only hope that this case will be one of the inspector's failures. You mustn't say such things, Anne. Why not? If anyone has caused to be glad that Brockington's dead, it's me. Anne. George was tortured until he went out of his mind. And Brockington was the man responsible. I'm only sorry for one thing. He died too quickly. It took George five years. Not like you to be hard and bitter. In any case, it's all over and done with, and George is resting in peace. All right, Father, but don't expect me to waste any sympathy on Mr. William Brockington. Don't think I'm shedding any tears about Mr. Brockington, but there things about his death that worry me. George had friends, and Mr. Dukes was only one of them. But you don't think Richard had anything to do with this, surely? It's not what I think that matters. It's a great pity you have to be concerned with this business at all. If only you'd retired last Don't year, let's I wanted... go over that again. But if you'd listened to me, you'd have been out of all this. I don't like you being mixed up in it. I'm giving in my notice at the end of this month. Is that a promise? I crossed my heart. I think I've had enough now. Oh, good. I'm jolly glad. Now take off those boots and I'll get a meal. I've got a feeling that this time... You pour yourself another cup of tea. And I'll have one, too. Oh, yes, sir. What do you think of the Gatley-Dowell police station, Sergeant? Not exactly Scotland Yard, is it? Well, the tea is good, sir. Sure, sure. It always was. I came here as a young constable, you know. Uh, yes, sir. So I've been told. Mm-hmm. John Griffiths. He arrived at the car park just after eight. That's right, sir. And the car park attendant confirms that car park attendant? Uh, well, uh, the chap he hanging around for the odd drink, sir. Mm-hmm. Brinmill Garage. Uh, they agreed that Gwyn Harris hired a car and was stopped at Mr. Duke's door at 8.15. That's right, sir. 
and Mr. Deuce himself were seen by Sergeant Maddock twice. He was on his way home to see his play. Perfect alibis. Makes you wonder, eh, Sergeant? Why they should be so perfect, sir? That's right. And let me see now. What exactly did P.C. Thomas say about Bernard Howells? Oh, nothing significant there, sir. Howells just mentioned that he was going to a party in Mr. Duke's flat. Why should he have done that? Oh, I see what you mean, sir. Rather making a point of it, perhaps. Could be. But we mustn't let our imagination run away with us, Sergeant Willis. What I feel... Uh, uh, begging your pardon, Inspector. Mm, go ahead. I feel we know so little about the dead man. I feel I know too much about him. I know the whole village too well. Isn't that an advantage, sir? An intimate knowledge of the people who may be concerned? Could be, and it could be a bit of a bogey. I find myself making my own pictures. Theory is one thing, Sergeant. Conviction is better, but proof can be damned elusive. Well, if it was murder, sir, then the whole thing must have been very carefully planned. Exactly. And I find myself picking out the clever people. In the small village, there are not many to choose from. That's where this intimate knowledge can be a bit of a devil. Might lead me right up the garden path. Now, well, you uh, you didn't find anything new in Brockington's place? Uh, nothing important, sir. We found another gun. Another gun? But locked away in a drawer, sir, and inside a deed box. But you wouldn't call that unimportant, Sergeant Willis? But it wasn't even loaded, sir. But man alive... No. No, you wouldn't know. Hmm. Yes, this may be interesting. Where is it? Uh, I left it in the drawer, sir. Uh, should I have... No, 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 no. That's all right. You can tell me all I want to know about it. It's a German Luger. Yes, sir. With the initials WB carved on the butt. Uh, no, sir. No initials. Are you quite sure? Yes, sir. Quite sure. Hmm. Now, that's a bit odd, isn't it? Or is it? Two and two make three and a half... Add another quarter. Big pardon, sir. No, forgive me, Sergeant. I'm just wanting. Well, now this is a, this is a good report, Sergeant. All the salient points, no words wasted. Oh, thank you, sir. But I'm afraid you'll have to see them all again. Uh, yes, Inspector. I want you to arrange a little meeting, a great place for meeting, Gertie Dowell. <laughs> I'd like an informal chat with Mr. Richard Dukes and his four friends. Oh, very good, sir. I should see Mr. Dukes first, and I'm sure he'll put his rather splendid lounge at our disposal. And then, if he agrees. Yes, please do. I'm not much of a host, boys. Not tonight, anyway. Just take what you want when you want it. Oh, that'll be Albert. Uh, don't pour one out for me, Bernie. Uh, All right. No, me. I'm taking it easy. Well, same here. We must keep a clear head. Ah, come in, Albert. What's all this about? Well, you know as much as we do, old boy. The inspector wants to see us. But why? We shan't know until he tells us. What do you have, Albert? A stiff whiskey. Uh, make it a small one, Bernie, just to be on the safe side. Am I the only one who's scared? Well, I dare say we all feel a bit uncomfortable, Albert. But this is no more than we expected, is it? What do you think he's up to? Well, looking at the blackest possibility, I'd say that the inspector is developing the idea that one of us may in some way be involved. Mm, I say that's black enough. You need something more than suspicion. Just you keep your wits about you, Albert. I won't panic, Bernie. Don't you worry. I didn't say you would. Oh, now, take it easy, boys. Nobody's worrying about anybody. We know each other pretty well by this time. You were always the edgy one, Albert, but in a crisis, you were like a rock. I'd rather there wasn't a crisis. Well, just keep calm, boys, and stick strictly to the truth, except for the missing half hour. Now, you might spring a question about the play, but if you're not on shore ground, keep mum. I don't think Enoch will try the technical hitch gag. He's too old a bird for that, but if he does, there wasn't any. 
I've checked up and the whole thing went like silk. Detective Sergeant Willis has been pretty busy. He checked up on me at the garage. Perhaps it's just as well that I hired a car. Why does he want to see us altogether? That's the puzzle. I would think he'd do better talking to us one at a time. He's done that already. He or Willis. Oh, they're giving me a miss, then. <laughs> You've got such an innocent face, Barry. This is it. Just one more thing, boys. Unless there's any special reason, don't stay here after the inspector. Leave with him or before him. We don't want him to think that we're going to hold an inquest. Uh-huh. We're not in the least concerned. Mm-hmm. Well, best of luck. Mm-hmm. Ah, I thought to make a good film story if we get away with it. We will, don't worry. Uh-huh. Then for the rest of our days, four of us will be making guesses about a fifth. <laughs> Damn funny. Well, here we are, Inspector. The, uh, <laughs> the culprits, as requested. And uh, all in good time, too. Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening. Now then, what do you have to drink, Inspector? Uh, nothing just now, thank you. All right, as you please. Well, now, it is good of you boys to come along. We had a gog with curiosity, Inspector. Why have you called us together? I sometimes like to talk about the cases I'm on. It helps me to keep the facts in some sort of order. Why talk to us? Come, come now, Bernard. You know a good deal about this affair. Who better could I talk to? You all knew Brockington? You were all about the village on Thursday night? You might have seen something, even though you may not think it important. This sounds like a waste of time, Inspector. I saw nothing unusual anyhow. All the same, if you don't mind, I'd like to chat. By all means, chat away. Well then, let's, uh, let's first have a look at Brockington. If somebody killed a man, then it was made to look like suicide. And a pretty good job was made of it, too. But the lab boys are uneasy about one or two things. The fingerprints on the gun and the burn marks on the dead man's temple. Could you explain that, Inspector? I will indeed. When the gun is discharged in contact with the temple, there is a tearing of the skin, often in the shape of a cross. Most of the powder will be found inside the wound. But there will be traces of blackening or burning outside the hole. And the hair on the temple will be swollen or burnt. Yes. Now, if the weapon is fired more than an inch or so away from the head, uh, then the effect is entirely different. And you are telling us that this gun was not held tight against the skin? That's right. Oh, but, Inspector, what does that prove? It might be usual for a man to put a gun against his temple to shoot himself, but he doesn't have to do that. He could hold the gun six inches away. Yes, yes, quite right. Such a thought had already occurred to us, John. Oh, I'm sorry. The point is, if Brockington was killed, then who would want to kill him? Now, uh, had I been a Scotland Yard man sent out to investigate this case, I would probably have looked first into Brockington's affairs. But being more or less a local man, I am helped by the things I know already. My inclination is not to probe into the present, but to recall the past. I um, take it that you're referring to our experiences in the prison camp, Inspector. It's an ugly story, isn't it? George Price was tortured and driven mad, and Brockington was largely responsible. Rather a long time ago. Exactly. And the men who might have been concerned about George Price in those days are now staying, settled down, peace-loving citizens. Mind you, it strikes me as being rather odd that Brockington's death should have occurred so soon after George was buried. Poetic justice. Even so, one, one is bound to look for a connection. Could it be that you chaps had something to do with it? Could it be that hate for Brockington had been kept smouldering like a peat bog fire? Could one of you have sought a belated revenge? Well, don't you think there's a simple answer to that, Inspector? At the time of the shooting, we were all here. 
watching my play. Of course, of course. And since the play was based on the experiences common to the lot of you, it seemed a perfectly logical thing for you to do. I know that. Not only do I know it, but lots of other people know it. Small village. Of course, of course. But, but I have an inquisitive sort of mind. And frankly, I, I get quite a bit uneasy. I can check with Sergeant Maddock Price that Richard here left the Red Lion just before 8.15. I can check with Constable Ben Thomas that Bernard was coming to this little party and the bus conductor confirmed that he got off the A-10 bus. John's car was driven into the car park around about 8.10 and Gwyn got here at 8.15 in a hired car. Never do I remember so many facts so easy to check. Never do I remember a quiet little private party so well publicized. Never have I come across a group of fellows so concerned about being popped. The play was on at 8.30. And you all watched it rather keenly, I gather. John here could even give us the names of the songs that the fellows sang in the opening sequences. Well, is it odd that we should take a special interest in Richard's plays? Of course not, of course not. But, but here you are, all assembled at your little party. The facts are so well established that the doubting Thomason may tell me it's all too good to be true. So what can a poor detective do? He must leave the important things and nose around with the trifling and inconsequent. For instance, I wonder why Albert should have chosen yesterday to return to Gwyn a plane he borrowed six months ago. There's nothing in that, except perhaps that Albert needed an excuse to call, maybe to have a chat over recent events. Albert says that Gwyn nagged him about the plane at your party, and if these two had this little friendly argument then you other fellows would have overheard it. So, I asked Detective Sergeant Willis to make a few inquiries. John is the first man to put Albert in the clear. He remembers the argument quite well. There was uh, just one little error, though. Sergeant Willis referred to the plane as a saw. But that was all right for John. Then, when Willis chats with Richard about this play, blow me down, he makes another mistake and calls it a hammer. But, that was all right with Richard. He agrees it was a hammer. And then, when the tale is told of Bernard, the hammer becomes a spirit level. But what does it matter? Plain hammer, spirit level. Albert could have borrowed the lot. I'm only puzzled as to why people should want to tell lies about so unimportant a matter. Oh, I get finicky now. Uh, not so much about the fiction as about the facts. They fit into too neat a pattern. Supposing I ask myself that one of these boys failed to arrive at the party on schedule, and supposing the rest of you knew why he was late. I have ample evidence of the time you all arrived in Gatley Dower, but no witnesses to say what time you got into this room. If I may butt in, Inspector, you have five such witnesses. We may not remember the times to a minute, but we were all here at 8.20. And you would swear to that? Obviously. Yes, obviously. That's the kind of word that bothers me. Ah, well, I don't have to make up my mind about things tonight. There's still some nosing around to do, and after all, suicide is not impossible. As John very wisely put it, a man doesn't have to hold a gun against his temple to shoot himself, and who knows, he may have had some reason for being careful about his own fingerprints. And what of the gun itself? A German Luger, a popular type of war souvenir. And although it's illegal to keep them, I'm sure there might be several of them in the village. This gun might just as well have been Brock in terms as anybody else's. Don't you think so, Richard? Why not, Inspector? 
Especially since, as you say, it had Brockington's initials on it. Ah, yes, yes, I told you that, didn't I? Or, um, or did you tell me? But it's a good gun, Luga. I dare say it will be handled effectively by any man or woman. Oh, well, well, I, I must be on my way, gentlemen. Thanks for letting me talk to you. No iron bars or cage. Uh, this is a script, is it, John? I've never seen a script for a television play. Uh, do you have to write in all the moves and the camera positions, Richard? Well, only if they affect the development. Mm, you make a shocking mess of the copy, don't you? Why all the doodling? Well, that's me, I'm afraid. It's a habit of mine. <laughs> mine, too. I wonder what the psychiatrist has to say about doodling. The moment when the mind wanders off the track or meets with an obstacle and the hands take over the activity. Mm, uh, I see you have another beauty on page 26. Something really must have puzzled you there. Dissolve, says Richard. Doodle, 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 says John. Not, uh, not that I noticed you turning the pages. Um, no. But this doodle is unmistakably yours, I should say. Yes, I've been reading the script. Ah, that explains you knowing all the song titles. You're a dark horse, John. I, uh, I think I'd, I'd like to read this myself, now that I've seen the play. May I borrow it, Richard? Of course. Unless you other chaps... Uh, or maybe you all read it. Oh, no, they couldn't have done. Uh, John said that he'd like to read the script. Not before seeing the play, surely. Oh, yes. Is that so odd, Inspector? We read a book, then see a film... Listen to a radio talk, then read it in the listener. Quite so, John, quite so. I would have thought. But there, it's a matter of taste, I suppose. Well, I, I really must go. Anyone come in my way, or would you prefer to hold an inquest? I'd be glad of a lift, Inspector. They can't hold an inquest without a tragedy, and there doesn't seem to be one, does there? As you say, brother. As you say. I'll come along too, Inspector. Good, yes. oh, I have my own car, thank you, Inspector. But I want to get home. John? Well, my landlady's gone to a whist drive, so I'm a free man. Uh, I'm going to stay for half an hour or so, if Richard doesn't mind. Of course. Well, well, come on, gentlemen. Good night, you two. I'll see you out. Oh, thank you very much. It's quite a pleasant evening. Yeah, it's quite a pleasant evening. Oh, my God, I call that a very comfortable chat. Now, pour one for me, will you, John? I know you asked us to leave, Richard, but... Oh, that's all right. I'm glad you stayed. Let me just make sure that he has gone off. Yes. Yes, he's gone all right. Well, here we are. Oh, thanks. Well, he seems to be onto something, doesn't he? Yes. Yes, he's cunning. Very charming, but... Well, I could kick myself for doodling on that blasted script. Yes, that was too bad, but I've made a much bigger blunder, John. Hmm? Listen, there are two important things I have to tell you. Well, what about the other? Well, this is only for you. I don't think we can risk having everybody know. Well, about my blunder, I realized it tonight when the inspector spoke about the Lugers. I thought it most fortunate that I had Buckington's gun. It fitted nicely into the plan, but we overlooked a most obvious and important fact. My gun must be in Brockington's place. Good Lord. Remember, I told you the guns got mixed up years ago, and I never bothered to change them. But there's nothing on your gun to identify it as yours. No, but it's another gun. If the police find it before we do, they'll wonder why Brockington should have two guns. 
And why one should be marked with his initials and the other not. Oh, this is serious. It's damn serious. And then the other thing I have to tell you is even more so. This too arises out of something the inspector said. He said any man or woman could handle it. Well, he said that, yeah. Well, was that as casual as it sounded? Or did he intend us to think that a woman might be involved? Well, what if he does? We know it was a man's job. Do we? Well, good Lord, man, of course we do. Listen, John. I drew the cross. You? I'm telling you this only because I have to. And there's a very special reason. You all left here one at a time, remember? Mm-hmm. And since I had drawn the cross, the gun would obviously be left in the glove box. I should have taken it out there and then, but... Well, I was upset, very naturally concerned about the job I had to do. Matter of fact, I didn't even have the nerve to look at the thing. In any case, it was just as safe in the glove box as anywhere else. Well? Well, I got through my work the next day as best I could. And then, when Anne had gone home, I went to get the gun. It wasn't there. Well, what did you do? Well, what could I do? No one else knew that I had drawn the cross. Whoever had taken the gun was pretty determined to do the job in spite of our plan. I felt pretty sick about passing the buck, but... Well, I was quite helpless. How could I know which of you had taken the thing? Well, everything went off as arranged, except that the wrong man did the shooting. I felt he must have been damned determined, and until now I was prepared to let the thing stand. And now? And now another possibility creeps into the picture. Any man or woman could handle it. Good God, you don't... Yes, I do. Anne. There may be nothing at all in this, and I hope to goodness there isn't, but at least we must think about it. Just you and I. Anne wasn't involved in any oath. But she had more reason to hate Brockington than all the rest of us put together. Oh, but this is quite ridiculous. A woman would never have a nerve. Besides, how could she have known anything about her? Plan? Need she have known about it? No. No, I suppose not. Oh, how could she have known where to find the gun? She needn't have known that either. I never used that glove box in the hall. But how can I be sure that Anne doesn't? She could have gone there during the day. Gloves, handbag, lipstick, anything. Seeing the gun could have given her the idea. No, I can't believe it. Well, I'm not saying that I believe it, but someone took that gun. But it's much more probable that one of us took it. Certainly it is. I'm not trying to persuade you to believe that Anne took that gun. I hope to goodness she didn't. All I say is this. She now comes into the reckoning, and we've got to be damn careful. Yes, I know what you mean. And you uh, don't want to tell the others? No, I think not. Mm. Well, what's to be done? The first job is to get back the other gun. Break into the house, and Well, what else? The place will be guarded. I shouldn't think so. Not at this stage. In any case, it's a risk that I'll have to take. The suicide theory is rocking a bit even now. If the police find this other gun, it goes for a burden. Yes, I think you're right. Well, when do we meet? I don't think there's any point in both of us going. Well, I'll be the lookout. After midnight, I should say. We'll make it 12.30. So how do we get in? That's something we'll have to find out. Hmm. Well, I think I could use another whiskey. Yes, this must be the door. I hope to goodness it isn't locked. What's that? What? I don't think we're very good at this sort of thing. Uh, John, you hold the torch. 
close the door quietly and I'll see if the curtains are properly drawn. Okay? Yes, I think so. Now then, we'll try all the drawers first, I should think. What if they're locked? Well, we'll try all the open ones before we start forcing anything. Nothing in this one, anyhow. Richard, somebody's in this room. Behind the curtains. What shall we do? Wait. I'll see who it is. Keep the light off me and on the curtains. Put out that light, you fool. Draw the curtains. Albert, what the hell are you doing here, Albert? If you're sure those curtains are drawn tight, Richard, we can have the torch on again. What's all this about, Albert? I might ask you the same question. You've got a little job to do. I'm probably on the same job. You're looking for your own gun, aren't you, Richard? <laughs> Great minds think alike. When did this idea occur to you? I thought of it quite suddenly when Probert was delivering his sermon. Isn't it odd how one can overlook the simplest things? If Richard had Brockington's gun, then Brockington must have Richard's. So you came to get it. I was afraid that the idea might not occur to anyone else, and there was no time for a consultation. If the police pick up this other gun, no suicide. Well, let's find it and get out of here. Where have you looked, Albert? I was nearly through with that cupboard. Right, and you have your own torch? Yeah. Well, try not to disturb anything. John, keep the light on the bureau. Right. I've got it, boys. I've got it. Good. Let's go. What a bit of luck. How did you find those curtains, Albert? Uh, they were open. I drew them. Right. Now then, boys, take it easy. Have a good look round to see that nothing is disturbed. And then we'll put out the torches and open the curtains. Good evening, gentlemen. You looking for something? Put on the light, will you, Sergeant? I'm sure we'll be much more cozy if we can see each other. Ah, better. Sergeant Malik Price, perhaps you'll stand for the door. You, uh, you know Detective Sergeant Willis? But there, of course you do. Well, now then, gentlemen, it's not exactly usual for respectable men to call uninvited at this time of the night, especially when the householder is uh, not in residence. But I'm sure you have a perfectly logical explanation for being here. Have you, Inspector? Oh, yes, yes. I was waiting for you. I'm sure you'll want to tell us the full story. And certainly, Richard. I owe it to you. I find it so very frustrating to have strong feelings about the thing and have no facts to support them. So that when Detective Sergeant Willis found that gun in a drawer, I asked him to leave it there. You see, I had this feeling that somebody else might be interested in the weapon. So, in my little chat with you gentlemen, I mentioned the popularity of this particular sort of war souvenir. And, of course, you have some sort of reason for all this, Inspector? Certainly, certainly. I had a hunch that you chaps were concerned with Brockington's death. There was little proof in support of such a hunch. But there were one or two useful little pointers. John's knowledge of the script, for one thing. I wondered why John should have wanted to read your play before the transmission, Richard. Uh, he could have read it out of interest, of course, but on the other hand, he, he could have wanted to familiarize himself with the parts he might not see. The, uh, the beginning, for instance. And not only John, there might have been other scripts and other readers. And that's what I suggest happened, gentlemen. One of you came late to your party. The problem is, which of you? Not that this matters as much as you may think. If, as I suspect, you were all involved in some sort of scheme, then the man who might have pulled the trigger is no more guilty than the rest. 
you were all accessories before the facts, which uh, which could make things rather uncomfortable. Uh, forgive my stupidity, Inspector, but I'm a little hazy on the simple question of proof. Your theory is quite romantic, if not very practical. I take it you have some sort of support for what you said? My dear Richard, what better proof can I have than your nocturnal visiting? <laughs> dear me, I, I can congratulate myself. So, also to Sergeant Willis. We spent hours searching for the usual clues, the print of the rubber heel, the lady's lipstick, the hairpin on the carpet, but we found nothing of interest. What have we now? Three men all looking for a gun. Sure, your interest in the gun is quite easy to understand, isn't it? Brockington would have used his own gun if he wanted to shoot himself. You don't think it possible that he should have had two guns? Quite possible. But why, then, are you worried about the one you've just found? I think we're moving along very nicely, gentlemen. Indeed, I might even warn you at this stage that anything you say will be taken down and could be used in evidence. And I think I'd leave it at that for tonight. You're not making any charge? Not at the moment. I'm sure I can rely on your good sense not to leave Gasly Dowell or do anything silly. In the meantime, I shall make further inquiries. What further inquiries? Oh, come, come now, John. We, we found out a good deal, but we don't know the full story. Then you can know it now. I shot him. Really? I'll make a full statement here and now. I shot Brockington. I see. And you brought along your friend Richard tonight to help you recover some of the evidence. If you like to put it like that. Only to discover that Albert got here before you. We were all in it, of course. We decided that Brockington had to be killed. When did you decide this? Five years ago? Yes, I thought it might be something like that. Some silly oath, I suppose. Not necessarily silly. So you five fellows agreed to do this together. No one else involved? Of course not. Well, obviously. Uh, don't get too enthusiastic, John. Overemphasis always makes me suspicious. Well, the only thing that matters now is that I did the job. You mean you were chosen to do it? Put it that way if you wish. What of the two guns? Well, they were accidentally exchanged some years ago. Mm -hmm. Brockington had carved his initials on his own gun, so it was the perfect weapon. I was given this gun, or rather, I took it. I came along here and found him watching the television. I put the muzzle as near as I could to his temple. And I pulled the trigger. And then you placed the gun in the dead man's hand and went along to join the party. Yes. And the other members of the party knowing what you'd done? No. No? No, we drew lots. No one was to know who did the shooting. I was the unlucky one. So you were all late for the play, is that it? Half an hour late. So you came here to shoot Rockington with his own gun? Yes. A gun which could easily have been identified as his. The initials WB carved on the butt. That's right. Then I wonder who could have rubbed off those carved initials. Sergeant Willis, the gun, if you please. Yes, sir. This is the gun that killed Rockington. No initials. I... I can explain that. You mean you thought of another story? No, no, I, I got confused. Well, who wouldn't be? When I got home from the party, I put the gun away in the same drawer as my own gun. I must have got them mixed up. So you got a Luger, too. We all had one. And you accidentally changed your gun for Brockington and brought the wrong one here to shoot him. Yes. Fair enough. Then you will be able to bring me Brockington's gun in the morning. Uh, well, yes, certainly. Whom are you protecting, John? No one. I shot him myself. Then where is Brockington's gun? Here it is. Well, well, another visitor. Uh, don't close the door, Sergeant Price. We never know who's going to call. Come in, Bernard, come in. My speech on the popularity of Lugos must have been most effective. Put it on the table, Bernard. We have quite a collection. 
Very well, Bernard. You attorney. You shot Rockington, did you? No, he committed suicide. That brings us back to where we started. Go on. Well, you've heard most of the story. We drew lots. But I was unlucky. I wanted to draw that cross, and I didn't. I hit it a swine. So on my way out from the party, I took the gun. The letters are there, plain enough for you to see. W.B. What is the privilege of pulling the trigger? I came in at the time arranged. But when I got to this room, Brockington was lying on the floor with a gun in his hand. I could see that he was dead. You swear to that? Yes. But that doesn't affect my story. I came here before, Bernie. And shot your victim with a gun that Bernie carried. No, with my own gun. You were getting awfully mixed up, John. Bernard here, I can believe, because he produces the evidence. Bernard has a sound story. I can accept it. Up to a point. Uh, there's just one little detail I cannot accept. I happen to believe that Brockington was murdered. And I tell you that I shot him. What more do you... I don't believe you, John. And I repeat my question. Whom do you think you're protecting? If this is to be your attitude, I shall have to ask myself the very obvious question. Who else had reason to hate Brockington? Meaning George's widow, I suppose. You're very fond of Anne, aren't you, John? And why shouldn't you be? She's a very charming girl. Why shouldn't you protect her if you feel that she needs Anne is in no way involved. All my friends here will agree that we planned this thing. And a very clever plan it was. Sergeant Willis and I are very proud to have discovered the truth of it. But it didn't work out, did it? Neither of you killed him. And we shall have to look elsewhere. There's no need to argue about this anymore. Perhaps you'll allow me to say a word, Inspector? Mm, by all means, Sergeant Price. I always think that the local officer... That the man... gun on the table, the one you found in Brockington's hand, belongs to me. Mm. It's one of the few things that George brought back with him. I borrowed it for a moment. Now, now, just a moment, no, Sergeant. No, Inspector, you stay where you are for a few minutes, will you please? I don't fancy a lifetime in jail. Stay where you are, Sergeant Willis. I don't want to use this on anyone but myself, so don't tempt me. Now, Mother, listen to me for a minute, There's will you? one thing I'm sorry about, Inspector, that this should have happened when I'm still in the force. If I'd retired and my time was up there and wanted me to, I'd feel a lot happier. As for the other thing, you mean, Inspector, I have no regrets. I always knew I would do it if George died before me, and I had no trouble at all to make up my mind when the time came. Of course, I didn't know about what Mr. Dukes and the others were planning, and let me tell you, Inspector, it warmed my heart to hear about it. Thank you, gentlemen, but that was my job, see? Now, if you'll just give me a minute... Now, 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 don't be a fool, Maddock. Let's look after you and take you to trial. You're only one of the accessories, and you can plead the strongest possible provocation. I think I know what's best. You don't think we'd leave a loaded gun around, do you, Sergeant? Here's the clip. Not... Not loaded? Take him down to the station with us. P.C. Bowen is outside, and he'll come with you. He can make a statement, but I'd like to check it before we charge him. Yes, sir. Come along, Sergeant. Uh, Willis. Yes, sir. Take good care of him. I will, sir. Well, good night, gentlemen, and thank you again. We'll be seeing you, Maddock. Don't you worry. We're all in this together. Good night. Well, quite a night. I don't think I need you any further, gentlemen. Good night, old Good night. Good night. Life isn't as tidy as one of your plays, Richard. No. No, it isn't, is it? Poor old Maddock. Poor old Maddock, indeed. You got your car? 
No. Well, it's a it's a nice night for a stroll. 